Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm John Brown, Chairman of Beyond Net Zero, and this is Net Zero and Beyond. In this series, we look at how the world can get to net zero and the pioneers hoping to make it happen. Each episode looks at a different part of society and a different solution. Today, transportation, and more specifically, motor vehicles. Transportation accounts for more than 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions, with the vast majority coming from trucks and cars consuming gasoline and diesel. It wasn't always destined to be this way. At the turn of the 20th century, around 60% of automobiles in America were electric, with the rest powered by gasoline or steam. The first car to drive more than 60 miles per hour was electric, but internal combustion engines came to be associated with heroic masculinity. As a result, many men refused to purchase electric cars, which became associated with weakness. Today's electric vehicle manufacturers and entrepreneurs are not lacking in heroic masculinity, or attempts at it anyway. But do electric cars lack the range, power and cost efficiency needed if the future is to be all electric? To help answer that question, I'm joined by a man who is working to transform the way we drive. Pascali Romano is the CEO of ChargePoint, one of the world's largest providers of electric vehicle charging stations. And, for full disclosure, a company that I have personally invested in and am proud to have done so. Good afternoon or good morning, whatever it is. Yeah, same same to you. Well, you're in. Um, so I I'm, I'm in you're London. In no, I'm in London. Oh, in London. I'm actually in London. I'm going to Glasgow. Like- We've been talking about electric vehicles for quite a long time, and so there used to be a big worry about range anxiety. Do you think that is a concern now, or is it going away slowly? What what's, what do you think? The consumer is equating range of a petrol tank with range of a battery forgetting that the frequency of refueling something that isn't available in your home or place of business where your car is most of the time, it's 96% parked. And the overwhelming majority of the 96% is wherever you park it, where you're sleeping and wherever you park it, where you're working, which in COVID that's one of the same place in many cases. And so what's, what's happening is that flip, that flip, that immediate, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. My battery range is is almost as as rangeful as my petrol tank, but I reload it all the time. So I actually have more range per unit day than I had when I was driving a petrol car 
because as it got closer to the little yellow light coming on, I had a non-discretionary chore I had to do. So because because automobiles don't move that much, 96%, they, they stay there. So electricity may be available everywhere, but there's different types of electricity, is there not? Yes. You can make it from clean sources, which we're all hoping we, we transition to. You can make it from traditional fossil fuels and everything in between. And the reason that I think that is an important but secondary argument with respect to electric vehicles is the generation plant at large in the world is highly concentrated in relation to the consumption device, the vehicle. I, I think the generation plant could, with the right political will, change faster than completely changing over the fleet because the fleet of vehicles is dependent on personal finances and governments can't subsidize to a sufficient level the trans you know i no one's going to pay me to basically throw out my gasoline car and get get a get an electric vehicle i i happen to not own a gasoline car but but no one's going to pay everyone out there to go do that uh, or create enough financial incentive for everyone to go do that fast enough i actually think in the developed world with the right will we could actually get to much cleaner generation much faster than we can change out every last car. Uh, I think it's a a fine balance. It seems to me that, you know, mandates which are going to come in, which say that no new automobiles will be uh, gasoline or diesel powered, that there will be electric vehicles, may create a faster rate of change than actually the getting the last bits of fossil fuel out of the power generation business. So it depends on mandates or markets, but it sounds to me like it's the better thing to do is to start changing the fleet and then figuring out what to do with the electricity. I think people will say, many people say, well, but an EV, there's no point in having one because you're going to use fossil fuel electricity. And what's more, you're going to drive a car made of steel where one ton of steel generates two tons of carbon dioxide. So what's the point? Seems to me you're saying, no, there is a point here. It's about progressive change, about uh, the vehicle capability. So maybe that's where the balance is. No, I agree. These things all evolve on their own time arc. I think that's, in summary, what we're both saying is that stop trying to synchronize all the time arcs. Since we as human beings don't change our cars every year. It's not a discretionary purchase. We change it five to 10 years, however long they live. On your next purchase, you should convert to electricity because a year after you do that, the power sources that are feeding your electricity retailer may in fact make a big leap. And you want to, you, you, you don't want to, you don't want to have to wait for that because you may be four or five years away from the next car purchase you might have. So you don't want to try to synchronize the time arcs in the purchase. By the way, there's one other point on your um, mandates. They create an incredible incentive. They call into question the residual value of a fossil fuel vehicle because it just, even if you don't put a ban on used cars, being sold, if all new cars by a certain date that are sold have to be electric, the entire tenant 
of the value of the balance of that fossil fuel vehicle, as you get closer to that date, gets called into question. And so it becomes unleasable. It becomes difficult to finance. It, it just becomes difficult in all directions. And it doesn't cost anything to do that. I think every, every government should put a ban out there, even if the ban on fossil fuel vehicles was not uh, close in. Let's say the ban was 2040. I still applaud it because you start having an effect on the residual value in the 2030s at a distance starts to have an effect when you're pretty far away from that band-aid for that group, for that reason. So what, what do you think the barriers are for getting this done pretty quickly? What are the barriers to electrifying the, the, at least the light vehicle fleet? The, the biggest barriers are, unfortunately, there are winners and losers in change. The, uh, the legacy industry? Yeah, I think the legacy industry has to, manage, has to manage a very challenging transition. The oil and gas industry has a challenge in that if they were to make every ounce of energy that propelled an electric vehicle, the ultimate business is not nearly as big as the one that they came from. So in terms of leveraging their legacy and their past, it is a bigger challenge because the replacement industry is not as big financially at a macroeconomic level. And I think that's one of the bigger challenges out there is the energy industry shrinks as a whole if you add electricity and fossil fuel together as the energy industry in the transition to becoming all electric. That, that has to be right because ground-based liquid fuels, gasoline and diesel, represent a big proportion of the barrel of crude oil. And if that market goes away, it's quite unclear what you do with the rest. Right. And so this is a, a big problem. And do you think actually gas stations are the right places to put charging points? No. Is that really the right thing to do? Well, I mean, look, we need them for when we're going. This is the problem with electricity being pervasively distributed. We need them for when we're going on a long trip. So the ones that are, are positioned geographically to service primarily that market. But an interesting issue, and this is something that I've predicted for a long time, gas station anxiety is going to quickly replace range anxiety. And gas station anxiety as you get up the curve is you're a legacy gas, gasoline or diesel car driver. And suddenly you have to go out of your way to find the gas station because you can't fuel at home, unlike the electric vehicle driver that can fuel around town, fuel at work, fuel at home because it's pervasively distributed. So it becomes a speciality product available mm -hmm. only in certain locations Probably at a very significant price increase, I would guess. Exactly. Exactly. And then we get into all the social issues around that, which are very challenging because it, it, that will likely affect lower income individuals much more so than higher in income individuals, which have the discretion to move their mode of transportation over electricity earlier because they have more discretionary income. They can move their budgets around. People will eke out the life of uh, a gasoline or diesel automobile for as long as they possibly can uh, right. and that will become more and more difficult to operate but you, you were the creator of one of the most successful charging companies so tell me what do you think is, is what's it going to look like in five years or ten years 
Do I just charge at home and be done with it when I go and visit you at your house? I just plug into you uh, and somehow you bill me. What What is the situation? What's going to happen? You know, so, I, I don't okay. expect Pascale to, for you to give me electricity for free, especially it could be very expensive in those days. I, I actually want to actually reinforce actually that that's very likely. And here's why. I think a lot of people are going to give you electricity for free. I think so. There's a very interesting economic, you know, uh, discontinuity here when you move to electricity, which changes the business engagement model for, for the good of the consumer, but it's very disruptive. I'll, let me use North American numbers, but they're similar in, in Europe. If you use the national average electricity rate in the United States of about 12 cents a kilowatt hour, if you paid for every electron that went into your car, it's about 500 bucks a year or less to drive your vehicle the average number of kilometers that a, a European or American would drive their car. So, so it's, it's on an absolute basis, a fraction, a very small fraction of what you spend. Now, because it is fractionally so small, it starts in comparison to your employer to look about as expensive as the nice coffee they give you in your place of business, which is way down on the employee benefit list in terms of what corporations spend money on. It is about the cost of coffee to give you energy at work. So what happens is it can become a marketing expense, an employee engagement expense. So now imagine your car has a much lower operating cost profile. It very quickly is not going to be any more expensive on a sticker price basis on the initial purchase than, than its legacy fossil fuel, you know, kind of brethren. Your ongoing fuel profile is going to approach free. So now you're sitting here as a consumer and wow, you just got a raise. If you're a business, you just got a cost reduction of your fleet or your work vehicles, right? If you're in the fueling business, you got a headache. You have a problem. You, you can't actually charge for the fuel. It seems to me that what is happening here with electric vehicles is most definitely a long-term positive impact on the generation of greenhouse gases. It's a leading indicator. Solve the automobile or car problem, the light transportation problem, get people to replace fossil fuels in that, then the generation of electricity will almost certainly follow that. It will happen. It happens in big chunks. And so change can take place in a discontinuous way. It's good for the consumer, mostly, because it looks as if electricity is a smaller portion of everything in terms of cost, can be bundled, can be given away. It's a benefit. And it sort of, it says to people, I'm going to save some money here. We do have to be careful that it's not uh, regressive, that uh, people who can't afford a new vehicle will be stranded with fossil fuel vehicles with nowhere to fill up with gasoline or diesel. So we have to think about that, and there are always solutions to that one way or another. Pascale Romano, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Take care.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, it's James Harding. I'm Tortoise's editor, and I'm the host of The News Meeting, the podcast where three people debate which story should really lead the news. On the most recent episode, we were joined by the businesswoman and campaigner Gina Miller, who discussed obesity and people dropping out of the workforce. We also discussed Russia's push into northern Ukraine and the feud between Drake and Kendrick Lamar. To listen, search for The News Meeting on Tortoise News wherever you get your podcasts.